Straight from the WCHL studios in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, 97.9 The Hill presents the Sibling Rivalry Sports Show with your hosts Chris and C.L. Brown. Today, the brothers welcome Andrea Adelson, national college football reporter for ESPN, talk the impact of social media on Duke's R.J. Barrett, and discuss the return of the Mac. Brown, that is. And now, your ticket to the backyard brawl, the Sibling Rivalry Sports Show. Sell, sell, sell. It's Cyber Week. Sell, sell, sell. Are you buying what we're selling? In the Athletic.com store Mega Mall, the CL Brown collection of college basketball expertise is buy one, get much, much more. In the Thunder Sports kiosk outside of former Toys R Us, host and co-author Chris L. Brown offers bargain bin bounty that will blow your mind, 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 mind. Get it before it's gone, folks. It's the free-for-all trade of ideas at Sibling Rivalry Sports. CL! You hit him with the echo. <laughs> I, I hope the people out there understand and know this is what I've been living with for better or for worse. The imagination, the creativity, you know, we have fun with it. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, man, you've been working extremely hard. And, you know, uh, we're back. We've been gone for a couple of weeks, had the Thanksgiving break and everything. Has it gone well for you? It's that time of year. I mean, I love it. I love it. That's we right. Are, we're in the mix. It, although we're about to have kind of the December doldrums is what I call it because exam schedules kick in with college basketball and, and yeah. you know, you don't have as many marquee kind of matchups before you get into conference play. But, um all things considered, I think it's been a great start to the season so far. It has been, and I, I don't. I, I would be remiss if I left this out. A couple of our followers on Twitter, um, we we want to give them a little shout out because the Countesses of UNC they they uh, made it known that a, a fellow Tar Heel. Um, her, her 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 name is at UNC Sunshine. Her Twitter name. Uh, she had a bad car accident before Thanksgiving, so you know we just were. They were encouraging her, and, and I told them I would too, and just asked everybody to send her prayers her way. She's okay. She's recovering okay. Just fellow Tar Heel and everything. So uh, thank y'all. I know you're listening. Thank you uh, for uh, encouraging your friend there and everything. And now that that is done and we're good with that, let's go ahead with the big playback. That's whack. This is the big payback. Big playback is huge, CL. (laughs) It's huge with the capital U. Tar Heel football winds of change. Larry Fedora out. Mac Brown is in. CL, what say you on this? Bring back the 90s and Tribe Called Quest albums. Dr. Dre, the chronic, <laughs> some cross-color clothing, jeans. Um uh, it's funny because we have very different opinions on this hire. Yes. <laughs> this could probably take up the entire show Easy if we way. wanted it to. So uh, I'll let you start with okay. it. All right. On the pro side, <laughs> is anybody surprised by that? On the pro side, listen, and again, see, I'd be remiss if I did not say Coach Larry Fedora, love you, man. All right. He was, he was. 
Uh, actually, I, I interviewed him one time, and he was just extraordinary towards me. I thought he was extraordinary. I thought he, he, he didn't have to do it. He did not have to stop and do that, and he did. Took his time. It was funny, genuine, and and I, I loved what he did here at the school. Left with a winning record, and personally, I thought he could have flipped it next year. So I, I was sad to see him go. I will say this, though. The one scenario... Bubba Cunningham pulled it off the, to me. The one scenario I think that would be a good uh, transition, a real smooth and, and optimistic and bright transition, is bringing back Mac. Not only bringing back this charismatic man, he, he just we won the press conference the other day. Not only that, but the 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 word the rumors about who he is going to bring in as his coordinators. I think there is a lot of potential and good that we're going to look at right there. I, I, you know what? I think they will win immediately, immediately. Well, I don't think that's really saying much because I think this team, if had Fedora State, would have won immediately. I, I think this team wow. is, is kind of built to next year. I mean, think about it this way. I think if they had so many injuries at quarterback, they had so many stop and starts with, you know, Chas Surratt's suspension, comes back injured, Cade Forden gets in as a freshman, gets injured, comes back. How many times did Nathan Elliott have to be basically benched and come back but that's that's neither here nor there with with Mac Brown you mentioned Bubba Cunningham I kind of felt like and I I don't have this sourced this is just me speculating here but it it almost seemed like this decision wasn't Bubba Cunningham it seems like it was a power brokers kind of behind the scenes if you envision a conspiratorial smoke-filled cigar room with some brandy and stuff, and guys, big boosters making making power plays. But I, I felt like because of the way it happened, it almost seemed like it was done in the dark, and and Mac Brown was swooped in. You you didn't have usually you wait hear, what made you feel that way? Usually gotta... you hear chatter. Usually you stuff stuff is going on. The kind of the the breadcrumbs leave the trail, and you can follow it and figure out. Okay, this is about to happen because certain things start taking place, certain discussions start being had, and the name gets floated out there. None of that happened. In fact. I think uh, Larry Fedora, as late as Saturday night after that loss to NC State, still had the expectations. He hadn't been alerted or anything, still had the expectations that he was going to return, still had the indications that he was going to be brought back for another year. So um, I, I, I'm not sold on this, man. I'm not sold. Wait, hold on. Okay, let me ask you. Do you think that it – so you think that it was already done before the state game? It was done. Um, probably, yeah, probably a, a scenario where uh, it, I kind of felt like it would have been harder to to let Fedora go if they would have pulled out that win over State. Yeah. Not that not that this decision came down to one game, right? But um, yeah, I think I think the movement was already being made before that State game. So okay, okay, that's very interesting. Interesting. Well. You're not really thrilled about it. K 
can we get at why? What are what kind of reasons? Why I'm not thrilled about it. If, okay, besides the point that he's going to be 68, Mac Brown will be 68 years old when the season starts next year. If I'm an opposing coach, I can't wait to recruit against that because I'm going to tell a kid, I'm going to ask a kid, is Mac Brown going to be your head coach in three years, in four years? Like, how long is he going to be there before you graduate? Your okay, entire time? I'm the kid. I say, well, I'm going to be in the NFL in three years. <laughs> How many people make the NFL? Every kid, you got a hundred kids on on a well, eighty five scholarships on a D- Division one roster. Are you gonna say eighty five kids are gonna say to you, "I'm gonna be in the NFL after three years"? Then what no, is it, that's what not matter, realistic. Then? What does it matter that's if he realistic. was passed the torch on in four or five years? Then? That's that's. What does it matter if he passes a torch on? You're going to have to make another hire. And if this, the word, the phrase stopgap comes to mind. Like, this is a stopgap measure. Why, why go through this process if you're just going to say, okay, we're just going to have him around a few years? Well, he's just going to be around a few years and then we're going to make another hire. But if you look at the last, first of all, he's been out of college football. Let's get that out there for five, for five, okay. seasons. five seasons. Last time he coached Texas was 2013. Mm-hmm. Those last four years he was in Texas weren't great years. Five and seven, eight and five, nine and four, eight and five. Only finished ranked in the final AP poll one out of those four years. In but three out of those four years would have had him winning the Coastal Division because nobody in the Coastals won more than seven games this year. You can't compare Big Twelve. You, you can't say that. You know. You don't know okay. what talent, kind of talent he would add here okay. or whatever. You All can right, just go ahead. take a regular like that. And then I look at when Charlie Strong replaced him at Texas and came in that first year. He he had to weed out. Like it got kind of messy at Texas under Mac Brown in Mac Brown's last few years. I think he let a lot of things slide. And, and Charlie Strong comes in and has to kick off guys off the team and change the culture around. Sure. Texas had <laughs> under Mac Brown. Texas used to bus from their locker room to the the. Uh, practice field it's literally like a block and a half i'll give you two blocks from their locker room to the practice field and they would have like the nice chartered buses it wasn't like a school bus yellow bus where like they had the nice buses <laughs> okay. like it got a little soft under mac brown at texas okay. those last few years so well they still won games though <laughs> soft is like uh, over to me all right, sorry. Go ahead, Seal. Right, can can I respond? Or? You, you can respond. All right, man. We're out of time. Like we said, this could be the whole show. Let me let me say this. Yeah, yes. Okay. Yeah, let me say this. Let me say this. The age factor. So, Seal, did you see Will Smith jump into the Grand Canyon out of a helicopter? Did you yeah, see that? Yeah, I did. For his fiftieth birthday. Did you see Tom Cruise's last 50 movie? Fifty ain't sixty eight. Did you see Tom Cruise's last movie? <laughs> no, I don't Where like he's Tom Cruise. <laughs> <laughs> he's flying a helicopter, Mission Impossible. He's literally flying it and also falling out of the helicopter. What does he have to do with his being own a football stunts, coach? His here, <laughs> you man, come on, work with me. I'm getting you there. So, listen, those guys are 50. They're doing that, and 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 you know, let's not get into you know, so these actors and playing these roles, and they're older 50 now. Now, so 50 is no longer 50s are no longer like super old. These cats are making it young, you know, and 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 if you look at oldest college football coaches there is a trend cl nick saban is 66 
Nick Saban's 66 years old. Bill Snyder coaching K-State is 78. He's seven. Herm Edwards, 63. Now, and it goes on there, more Cutcliffe, you know, a couple, couple miles down the road, 63. Still doing it big. The best coach in – who is the best coach? Okay, you're going to say Mike Tomlin. Let's say besides Mike Tomlin in the NFL. I wasn't going to say Mike Tomlin. I'm not like you. I, I call it like I see it. I don't okay. just go with my team. Okay, go ahead. Bill Belichick's the, the best coach in the NFL. 66. 66. Uh, well, how, how old was uh, you know? Oh, you know, guys, you're naming though. They didn't take a break to go to TV. They didn't have the last four years that I mentioned at Texas that got soft. Like, uh, I'll, I'll, I, th- I think that factors into it. If he was coaching all the way through and came back to Carolina, I might feel a little different about it. Dick Vermeil was out of the game for 14 years and came back to win it all. How old was he when he came back though? He was 63 when he won the Super. 63 ain't 68. Okay. And, so, and again, you're not recruiting. You are recruiting okay, that's kids true. to come play for you yes. and making certain promises to parents that, okay, I'm going to take care of this kid when he comes to this campus. Now, yes. generally, that's for the course of his whole time on that campus, which would be four or five years, depending on red shirts and that kind of stuff. Okay. So... I'm thinking, can Mac Brown make those promises to kids coming? I think he is going to build a, a program here, and he's going to hand off the reins in the program. All right, we got to mention the rumors of Cliff Kingsbury, who's been fired by Texas Tech, coming as his offensive coordinator, and Gene Chizik coming back as a defensive coordinator. They are both prime for it. Chizik left because of family reasons. His son, he wanted to watch football, watch him play football. His son is graduating this season. Chizik, he could come back, and he's been given hints. Kingsbury, that guy, every year he was there, had a top. 10 offense, crazy scoring. He runs that offense. He's going to be highly sought after. And remember, you don't lose. It's like what you do. It's who he is, that that ability to recruit, that ability to pull people in. And I also think that he's going to get guys like Natro Means coaching running backs. we got to get Natro Means back in here. He's gone through the minority coaching fellowships. He could do it, too. He's going to have an all-star coaching staff. And, and just think, if he goes in with uh, Cliff Kingsbury to recruit you know, a, a player, let's just say somebody like Kelly Bryant, Kingsbury can go and say, oh, yeah, you know, Mahomes? Yeah, yeah, I, I coached him. In fact, here's a phone he'd like to talk to you about how it went. I mean, we, what if what if UNC gets <laughs> Kelly going. Bryant up in this PCL? What, what if I would have been seven feet tall? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's, what? What that's, if? What that's if, past? What if? Are you saying it could still happen? Here's the thing: a couple of things you just mentioned. You mentioned a minority recruiting staff, but this is also why I don't like this hire because the, the college football needs a Rooney Rule. You're just going to make a hire. No one else is interviewed. No one else is involved in this process. Part of the reason why we don't see a lot of minority coaches in college football and really in the NFL is because of the process. You got to have an open, inclusive. You got to be open to doing different things. You have to be open to inviting in uh, somebody who might be a D coordinator, offense coordinator, whatever. Uh, there are talented minority coaches out there that don't get this shot. And I hate the way this process just went down in terms of that at Carolina. Okay. Is that the main reason you hate it? No, that's just one of many. Okay. Well, I forgot my other point, but we got we got we're around. Out. Yeah, we <laughs> gone long and enjoyed it all the way. And we got to go because we are coming back with an awesome and excellent guest from ESPN, Andrea 
Adelson. You've got to come back and hear more about college football here on Sibling Rivalry Sports 97.9 The Hill. Welcome back to Sibling Rivalry Sports on 97.9 The Hill, where we always chill. And it's time to talk football, 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 all kinds of football. It's, I mean, we could just dive in uh, after Andre Adelson uh, gave us such a great uh, guest spot. I do want to ask you, CL, I, I didn't really get th- get there but I want to ask your opinion on the latest college football poll, the playoff poll. What do you think about the placement of Oklahoma above Ohio State, UCF? What do you think? Yeah, I, th- I think Oklahoma should be right on the cusp of it. I, I can't understand why people keep talking about their defense because we've seen teams that have had poor defenses. What comes to mind for me is USC during the middle of their run in the early 2000s. That defense against Texas in the national championship game was horrible. That's why I knew if Vince Young got the ball back, they were going to win. But it's the totality totality of a team, and Oklahoma's offense is killing it. So, you know, um, they, they should be in the mix. I'm kind of disappointed that Ohio State is still as high as they are because if you yes, saw them play against Maryland, if you saw that loss to Purdue, yeah. they they haven't shown it to me over the course of Agreed. the season. And I think we both agree that US, UCF, yes. I wish they would get in. Just, just have a shot. Just give them a shot. You, to, to your point about Oklahoma, Kyler Murray, that dude, he's the number one rated passer in the country. That dude, when you have, like, I think you said this before. A good offense, a good offense can be your defense. If you can score like that, like water. (laughs) Yes, and I think if you get a chance, you should check out. Oklahoma did a whole social media campaign with Kyler uh, playing off the Bo Jackson, Bo Nose. They had Barry Switzer. Uh, They had... uh, Bart Connor, the gymnast, Nadia Komanicha, the gymnast. They just had a bunch of different people. Some of the people you're like, okay, why they had this person? But anyway, <laughs> but it's still a play off of him being, you know, uh, a baseball and football two sport uh, star, mm-hmm. and uh, they did it well. Nice. Okay. Well, let's move over to the pro ranks. Uh, first, I know I know this is tough for you, but I just want you to give me a good look here. Lamar Jackson uh, for those Baltimore Ravens. Uh, hey, you act like it's not tough, man. <laughs> it's not tough. I can talk about it. Okay. I, I don't mind being objective. Okay. You, you, are, you are. You are objective. Okay, so. Most rushing yards for a QB since 1970's first two starts. The question going forward is, should he continue to start? He's got two crucial wins for the Baltimore Ravens while Joe Flacco was hurt with uh, something wrong with his hip. And now Flacco, this week, the reports early was that he was going to the doctor to, to get clearance. Uh, so, but he didn't come out of that with medical clearance that has been reported. Uh, people are reporting that Lamar Jackson is going to start due to that. What do you think, though? Who should start in this situation? When Flacco is healthy and clear to play, he should start. Hands down, they're in a position where they can still make the playoffs conceivably, and I feel like you got to go with the veteran guy. That being said, I think that this part of the schedule just kind of falls the right way. They're not playing crazy competitive teams they they do have still have kansas city left yes. and i think but they're uh, terrible on rundy the chargers left but um yeah. Yeah. yeah so so lamar jackson should be able to still get reps in even when flacco comes back uh healthy mm-hmm. and i think that um unless 
we're seeing or unless Harbaugh is seeing something in practice that's just Lamar Jackson just has this it factor and you can hand him the reins, right. uh, I would I would stick with the veteran guy. Uh, well, we agree. We're eye to eye on that, and I think that Lamar. I wouldn't. I would also expand the word reps into series. I would like to see Lamar Jackson get entire series. I don't know how you navigate that. I don't know how that goes over, but I'm just saying it would. I think it'd be very effective. All right, now let's switch. Oh, oh and I, I do want to point out that there's an interesting parallel CL between. Oh, yeah. Between Lamar Jackson and, and, you know, him coming in late in the season and, and they're going on a run with John Harbaugh's brother, Jim, when he was at San Francisco, he had a young quarterback who was very mobile to come in and they rode that way to the Super Bowl 2012 and his name was Colin Kaepernick. They both love the run. Same QB coach. And both of them had suspect starters, Alex Smith in San Francisco and Joe <laughs> Flacco in Baltimore. <laughs> Suspect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, Flack, but one of them has a Super Bowl ring and MVP. So, you know. Suspect. Okay. All right. Listen, let's go to the other professional league, the new spring league called the Alliance of American Football. They had. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I got to get one more shot in at the NFL, man. Okay. What you got? Washington signed Reuben Foster after uh-huh. another domestic violence incident. I just think the league itself should have stepped in and been like, nobody can move on this dude. Mm-hmm. But this, to me, shows what the NFL cares about. They don't care about domestic violence. If you're talented enough to still you know, contribute to a team, they don't care about it. So all of this stuff that they do with, with Breast Cancer Awareness Month and wearing pink on the field and military appreciation <laughs> and trying to do different little things to make it seem like they're this family-friendly and community-type organization. Get out of my face with that. The NFL is a dirty business, and this is another way to prove it. Oh, my. I hate to bring this up. Would the word alleged be anywhere in there? No, because this is is too many times. If this is the first time Reuben Foster had any any kind of whiff of domestic violence, then I'd give him the benefit of the doubt. I'd say we got to wait and see, let the facts play out. But where there's smoke, there's fire in domestic violence. That's that's what I've come to believe and know uh, just from my personal experience doing reporting and stuff on this. So I, I... there's no way. At at the very least, the NFL should just say, nobody, you can't move on this guy. They they should have somebody of reason step in. Like, this is, at the very least, you could just say, this is a bad look. The optics of it. Okay. Just the PR. But they don't even care about that at this point. This well, is who, this is who CL, the NFL is. CL, I would say this. I would say this. If there is, you know, if that alleged word goes away, I think the NFL retroactively will step in and 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 nullify it all. And maybe I, I, maybe you're right. Maybe he never sees the light of day in Washington. But he got picked up like that. It hadn't even been a week. He got picked up. Colin Kaepernick, meanwhile, a silent protest doesn't do anything to anybody. And protesting something that is a problem in America. And all of it, he's a bad apple for some reason. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm that's gonna, like, that's like two, three tea. shows right there. I'm going to sip on my tea. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, all right. So what do we have time? We have a little time. Uh, CL, 
the Alliance of American Football, they had something called a quarterback pick or protect draft. It was very interesting. Their teams basically are already populated like the rosters that they're going to use in their preseason and then trim down. But they had a specific quarterback combine and a quarterback draft, which they televised on the CBS Sports uh, Network uh, the, earlier this week. And one thing that happened that's relevant locally is Marquise Williams was drafted in the second round by the San Antonio Commanders. So I think Marquise Williams has a great shot. They also they're they're going for CL. The reason I'm bringing this up is these guys look legit. They look legit. Now, see, I'm going to show you a couple helmets. They they showed their uniforms and everything, and I want you to just give me a yay or nay. Uh, what you think about <laughs> some of them? You're going to blow up. But anyway, okay. Here's one. This is for the Arizona Hotshots, and they have a, like a fireman theme. Um, that's cool. I wouldn't have put the the number. They have the, the fire on one side and a number on the other. I wouldn't have had the number on there. Uh-oh, we're going to have a trouble with a couple of these then. Okay, San Antonio Commanders. Yeah, it's like two collegiate to have. That's that's a nice combination. I do like that helmet with the with the colors and the. And the sword. But they have the number up there, that, which he was saying. Yeah, okay, how about I, this? I, I don't know, CL. Fake right. Alabama. <laughs> that, now that is. That looks like the Eagles. It's it's white. <laughs> what, what team is that? Or, or no, 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 not the Eagles. Oregon. Yes, that's like what I said when I saw it. That is yeah. the uh, the uh, Utah, the Salt Lake Stallions. Yeah, yeah. So. You know well, what does that have to do with a horse? That it's it's part of the mane and their logo, <laughs> but okay. How, all right, my last one. Now this is go ahead. What do you think? I do like what's that? The fleet, the San, yes. San Diego yes. fleet. That, yeah. That's a nice logo. But again, I go back to the number on on the side. You know, it seems like the number would work on that one the most, though. It's no, very it's, military it's a white number. Well, I know, but I'm just saying In it's military. It. That that goes with like a battleship. You know what I'm saying? Nah. Okay, I can't sell them on that, folks. All right. Well, it's all interesting, and it's it's all fun. It's all sports, and we're going to keep on covering. So for now, we got to cut to a commercial. we got to hear from our friends that help us be on the air, but I need you to come back because we're going to be covering college basketball, talking some CBB talk here on Sibling Rivalry Sports 97.9 The Hill. Welcome back to the Sibling Rivalry Sports Show on 97.9 The Hill. We're about to take another deep dive into the North Carolina hiring of Mac Brown with none other than ESPN college football reporter Andrea Adelson. Andrea, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, hey, hey. Hello, guys. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be on. Of course, of course. Yes, absolutely. Well, we, uh, we my, myself and my brother here, we have differing opinions on on this Mac Brown Surprise, hire. surprise. <laughs> and so I wanted to start off just by asking is this a surprise to you? Like, how are you? Are you uh, on board with with this happening? Well, not on board, but <laughs> do you think this is a successful move for North Carolina? So I can see why you guys have differing opinions because I have gone back and forth on this myself over the last day and a half. Uh, on the one hand, it makes sense because of the success that he's had in his past and he knows Carolina, he understands the culture there, what it takes to win there. But on the other hand, when you look at what happened at the end of his tenure at Texas, the fact that he's been out of coaching for so long, the fact that uh, North Carolina um, has some issues that he's going to have to deal with now uh, in terms of trying to get this program turned around, then I'm scratching my head. So 
I said this uh, to, to friends the other day. I'm not sure what to think of this hire, except it's going to be fascinating to watch. And I truly mean that because, you know, a lot of times head coaches come back to a place where they've had success and it doesn't work out. Bobby Petrino being the latest example off the top of my head at Louisville. I don't think he's going to fail that spectacularly, the way that it all crashed and burned for Bobby Petrino at the end. But I think that uh, the dynamics of the ACC are radically different now compared to what they were when he was first in the conference. Uh, And the fact that this program now has fallen behind Duke, NC State, has some issues they have to deal with in terms of facilities, the fact that now Clemson is recruiting into their backyard and having a lot of success with players from the state of North Carolina. Those are some issues that I think are new that he's going to have to figure out and deal with right off of the top in order to try and get this program back to winning. So, Andrea, okay, so a couple of minutiae amongst that macro that you just gave us, which is uh, sounds very accurate to me. So what do you think – about the possibility, let's just let's just go um, with uh, Kelly Bryant. I know that you've heard about his visits and those types of things. Do you have a take? Do you have uh, an insight? What what might happen with Kelly Bryant in light of all this? Do you think chances are are heightened? Do you think chances are lowered? What do you think? Well, honestly, when he came and took his visit under Larry Fedora, I thought that was going to be a great move for Larry Fedora because he is the type of quarterback that fits in what Larry Fedora likes to do in his offense. And now that he's gone, the question is, what is this offense going to look like? Kelly Bryant canceled a visit to Miami uh, because he didn't think that the Miami offense was going to be best suited to the things that he does well. That's not the type of coach that – Mark Rick is in terms of the philosophy. So I think a lot of that is going to depend on what is the philosophy of whoever Mac Brown brings in as his offensive coordinator, and are they going to be able to play to Kelly Bryant's strengths? Because he does have a, a very obvious and specific skill set mm-hmm. that made him successful while he was at Clemson. So if Mac Brown and, and his coaching staff uh, want to bring in a, a veteran, experienced quarterback who knows how to win, who's won at a high level, who's won uh, an ACC championship, taking a team to the playoff, then I think they're going to have to build that offense around him. Uh, I think that he may end up at a place like Arkansas, where Chad Morris is right now, because of the things that he was able to do during his time at Clemson uh, with some of the players that, that he coached. Taj Boyd recruited Deshaun Watson there. So I'm not really sure what North Carolina's chances are right now for Kelly Bryant. It's probably all going to depend on what their offensive philosophy is going to be. Well, Andrew, have you gotten wind? There there are rumors out there about Cliff Kingsbury uh, being recruited uh, that, that Mac Brown, he was the guy that Mac Brown was going to go after. Have you gotten any wind of that? I think everybody's going after Cliff Kingsbury right now. (laughs) And if I was uh, running a college or an NFL team, I would be throwing as much money as I could at Cliff Kingsbury, quite honestly. Uh, I know a lot of people have speculated that he might end up going the NFL route. I think that makes a lot of sense because when you look at the transformation of the college game, the NFL has been too slow uh, to, to follow in those footsteps. And you look at the quarterbacks that have come out, I think the NFL needs to transform itself, and a guy like Cliff Kingsbury, I think, would be a great fit for that. But 
who knows, he can end up at a college program too. So I think there's probably going to be a bidding war for his services, given his track record of success with working with quarterbacks and his knowledge uh, in the types of offenses now that are all the rage uh, in college football and maybe even becoming so in the NFL. Hey, I was curious uh, to kind of step away from what's going forward with Mac Brown to take a step back with what's left behind with with Larry Fedora. What do you see next for him in his career? I mean, do you feel like it'll be a a thing where he uh, looks for another head coaching job somewhere? Uh, Maybe, you know, a step down from, from, uh, well, certainly from a Power 5 team, but... um, or, or do you think he would, would accept being a coordinator somewhere? You know, that's a really good question. Um, you know, haven't really had a chance to, to speak with him, um, and I don't know that he's made his intentions known in terms of what the next step is. But, you know, Larry Fedora is a guy, you know, even early on um, into the middle of his tenure at North Carolina whose name kept coming up for other head coaching opportunities. He's a guy who's well-respected and well-liked. Uh, in the profession. Uh, I know that, you know, he made some comments that drew some headlines over these last couple years that left people wondering, um, you know, if if Larry Fedora was completely in tune with what was happening in the game. But I think Bubba Cunningham's comments about Larry Fedora really speaks to the difficulty in this decision because Larry Fedora is a a likable guy and his players really like him. They like playing for him. And he's had success. I mean, you know, taking this team to uh, an ACC championship game. When he was at Southern Miss, he had success there um, in developing quarterbacks. You know, we could sit here and dissect what went wrong for North Carolina over these last couple of seasons, but I would not be surprised at all if he ended up uh, taking a head coaching job uh, on the group of five level or maybe even a coordinator job on the power five level in order to just bide his time and see what other opportunities are out there. So I expect him to be somewhere uh, next season coaching just not sure what he feels like is the best opportunity to try and get back to an elite level because I'm sure that's what he's going to want. So just taking a quick breather, Andrea, um, on the personal side, I saw your tweet where you you said it's 40 in Florida and you had the huge ski jacket on or what have you. Um, Are you okay, Andrea? Are you safe? (laughs) Is everything okay down there? I survived the 40-degree temperatures this morning. But, you know, I will tell you, my 7-year-old getting ready for school today asked me to wear two jackets, including her ski jacket, and she wanted gloves. <laughs> and I had to convince her she did not need the gloves, but I let her go to school wearing her ski jacket that's normally reserved for trips to Utah. So, you know, us Floridians, we're not used to weather, like, especially in November. So I-, I told my husband the other day, I said, I need to break out my Uggs because it's below 60 and they're in the closet. I need to use them. Taking advantage of it. Hey, listen, my seven-year-old this morning, seven-year-old daughter and taking her to school, she she didn't have a hat on and it was it was pretty hot it was pretty cold i'm sorry it was like 20 something and uh in north carolina and so uh, i'm like hey let's get it we need to get a hat sydney and she's like but it'll mess my hair up so that's kind of <laughs> yeah <laughs> seven but anyway yes. well minus seven too you just gotta pick the right battles with them right yes that's true at that age. So going back to Mac Brown for a second, Andrew, what do you feel like is going to be the biggest challenge 
that he has to confront with this program right now. I mean, you mentioned it earlier, it's a totally different landscape than when he left the way the conference expanded and, you know, uh, Clemson is now the team to beat where Florida State was that hurdle he couldn't get over his first tenure at North Carolina. Well, I think uh, there's a couple things. Number one is recruiting. And you look at where North Carolina has been uh, over these last couple of seasons, the last couple three, and I know that there's been a large impact um, based on that NCAA cloud that was hanging over the program um, that really hurt the, the recruiting under Larry Fedora for his first you know, four or five seasons there. But the fact now that North Carolina is not getting the top in-state talent and is losing it, not just to programs like NC State and Clemson, but others that are coming into the state, I think is something that he's got to address and address quickly, especially because recruiting over his last couple of seasons at Texas was one of the biggest reasons why he ended up losing his job there. Um, the fact that maybe they got a little bit lazy uh, in terms of really doing the hard work of rolling up your sleeves and not just looking at stars, but going after guys that you feel can make a direct impact on your program. So I think recruiting, specifically in that region, in that part of the country, is going to be the number one paramount job that he's got to do. Number two, I think, is bringing in uh, a young, energetic coaching staff. Um, maybe some guys that are that are up and coming uh, that can help lead this program uh, and, and get them uh, back on the winning track. Because when you look at the state of the, the coastal division, there is no reason that hmm. there should be six different teams in six years winning it. Mm-hmm. There is every opportunity for somebody to grab a hold of that division just the way that Clemson had recently and Florida State uh, right before Clemson. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so when you, when you look at, at Miami, Virginia Tech, North Carolina, those three programs, I think, uh, in terms of facilities, recruiting, budget, coaching, have that chance to get a grip on the coastal division. Maybe Pitt to a lesser extent, but uh, I think that the opportunity is there for North Carolina and for Mac Brown to assert itself and say, okay, what Clemson has done on the other side, we're going to try and do here because mm-hmm. that division is there for the taking. Um, and so uh, that's why I feel like with recruiting and with an up-and-coming energetic staff, lots of new ideas, lots of good ideas, trying to be on the cutting edge of what's happening in college football, I think that kind of combination will serve and could serve North Carolina well. And so that's what I'm looking at for Mac Brown is who's he hiring, who's the recruiting coordinator, and what is going to be the philosophy on that recruiting trail in order to get North Carolina turned around. Andrea, I wanted to ask you about the college football playoff rankings right now. Um, uh, let's start with with a university that's close to where you live in UCF. Central Florida is again going to be probably boxed out of, of the chance to play and I just feel like we, we saw what Boise State did back during the BCS days when they were kind of outside of the box and nobody wanted to let them in, but they deserved a shot based on the results that they continued year in and year out. It, 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 how come we didn't learn anything from Boise State? How come UCF doesn't have a seat at the table? Well, I think that the people who control college football did learn something, and that was we can't let the little guys in no matter what. <laughs> we can make it look like we're going to try and do it, but we can't lose our grip on on the power structure here. And so even though they've expanded out to four, 
you can make an argument that there's less of a chance for a team like Boise State or UCF to break into that top four because now they have moved the bar in a different way. Um, they can sit here and talk about strength of schedule. They can talk about offense. They can talk about defense. They can talk about quality wins. They can talk about quality losses. And all of that gives an advantage to teams from those Power Five conferences, and it gives a disadvantage to a program like UCF. UCF cannot control the schedule that it plays. And I've heard from a lot of critics who say the non-conference schedule isn't good enough. Uh, and I understand that. I really do. Um, I would like to see UCF maybe, maybe take some neutral site games against marquee opponents to try and bump that non-conference schedule up. But at the same time, and somebody made this great point today, the way schools schedule out so far in advance, mm-hmm. you could think mm-hmm. that you're scheduling an elite program right now. Mm-hmm. But when you go and play them in five years, they might be the worst team in college football. <laughs> yeah. And you really have no control over that. Um, you know, look at North Carolina, who was on the schedule and they didn't get to play. Mm-hmm. Um, North Carolina won the Coastal Division, what, two, three years ago? And now they're among the worst teams um, on the Power Five level. How mm-hmm. does UCF control that? They can't. Right. And so they're going to continue to go with their scheduling philosophy, which is two Power Five non-conference games and a couple from the group of five. They want to build up their fan base. Um, and then hope that there is complete chaos in front of them that will get them pulled into that top four. But, guys, I have lost hope, really, <laughs> um, that that would ever happen because this is all about money and control and power. True. Uh, and those conferences that are in charge don't want to lose any of that to a school like UCF. Yeah. It's, yep, sad but true. Well, okay, so here, here's a slightly different angle here. So now CL is, a, you know, like yourself, professional objective reporter. I, on the other hand, more of a host type, don't have to be so objective. So I'm trying to con- convince Cliff Kingsbury to come here, uh, Andrea, Ed, to come to Carolina. And so now, now you said that the pros are really coming at him. Here's a thought. Here's a question. What do you think? Now, I don't know if you have time to keep up with this because you're a college football, but on the pro level this year, there is, you know, a renaissance of offense, the quarterback and scoring, which inevitably I believe the NFL will correct in rules. A lot of it has to do with rules and some of the safety and going over the middle is now easier for an offensive receiver. Once that course corrects, do you not think that, you know, an offensive collegiate guru like Cliff Kingsbury would would stand to not gain as much as it would appear because the course correction will happen and then defensive coordinators will swarm like they do on these different schemes. Do you not think that, that there's a possibility of that? Whereas in, in college football, uh, after having taken some hits as a head coach, he could really build back up that name and reputation you know, by uh, taking an OC job on the college level and, and excelling, continuing to excel, which he knows he can do? You know, I think that's a great question, and it's probably one that he's going to be wrestling with as all of these offers come into him, both from the NFL and with college football, is how long is it going to take for that course correction? Is it going to happen in the next year, or does he have an opportunity, even if he's in the NFL for one year, to be able to get that experience on that level, to see what he can do, and then maybe come back to the college game. There's a lot of college coaches who go that route, go to the NFL maybe for a year or two, and then come back to college. I think a lot of it is going to depend on 
what does he want to do with his career? Where are his career aspirations? Does he eventually want to be an NFL coach, or does he want to come back in college and try to be a head coach somewhere else, maybe bide his time as an offensive coordinator somewhere in college in order to wait for that next step? I think only Cliff Kingsbury knows the answer to that, quite honestly. And so mm-hmm. it's, it, it, it's just like you and me and, and CL, right? It's like you sit down and you think about, what do I want my future to look like? What do I want my career to look like over the next one, two to three, five years? And what's going to best help get me there? Is it experience on the NFL level, trying to do something different, trying to maybe help out some, some offenses that are making this transition? Or is it going to be staying on the college level to buy my time for another job? Um, so I think he's going to have a lot of options and a lot of opportunities. The question is, where does he see himself in five years? And what is the job right now that's going to help get him there? ESPN's Andrea Adelson. So, Andrea, thank you once again so much for joining us. We appreciate it. And we will continue to tune in. Folks, you can you can find her on Twitter at A. Adelson ESPN. Check her out because she is the best. All right. Thank you so much, Andrea. Take thank care. Thank you, Andrea. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Welcome back to the Sibling Rivalry Sports Show on 97.9 The Hill. Let's talk some college basketball really quick here. Uh, I want to start, man, with this. I actually, to plug my own stuff at theathletic.com, I did a story on Duke's R.J. Barrett and and him kind of taking to heart the end of their Gonzaga loss. He was 0 for 5, like in the last minute, uh, took the final shot, and he took heat on social media. Hero ball. First of all, can could you even imagine playing nowadays with the amount of, you know, Twitter, Facebook, mm-hmm. IG posts, and people just coming at you from different directions? Mm-hmm. No, I couldn't. So I think he... He probably took it too much to heart, but I think that kind of shows what kind of competitor he is. After the game, he texted his teammates and apologized for for the last shot. And, you know, uh, maybe he felt like he should have passed it off to Delorier and that kind of thing. But uh, Coach K came out with a, a pretty pretty harsh take for people that criticized him for Duke fans, who's basically like, y'all can unfollow. He didn't say unfollow, but he was like, basically, you're either with us or you're without. You're not with us. You know, like, wow. we rally around our people. And, uh, and it's ridiculous for anybody to think he was playing hero ball so i think it's just it's it's an interesting uh construct i'm I'm actually working on a story on seventh woods too now that kind of talks about his you know he was a media social media superstar uh, at the age of 14 15 million views his his mixtape got his highlight mixtape got at 14 wow 15 million people still don't want to hear you talk, but (laughs) think about that at 14 if you had all of these people telling you one thing, man. Oh, my goodness, man. That's too much. How would you even deal with that social media stuff? Cut it off if I'm his daddy. That's what I do. Well, uh, switching gears, Duke, of course, got back on on the winning side with the 21-point win over Indiana. Um, They're ranked three in the poll right now. Carolina also suffered a first loss over Thanksgiving Mm -hmm. to uh, Texas. Which is still weird, this Roy Williams Go Texas figure. curse, if yeah. you will. What is that? But um, who has impressed you so far uh, with with Carolina's season? 
Well, it's got to be Kobe White. Got to be the one guy that showed up. Big. Uh, wow, did I just say that? I, all I'm saying is, you know, the guy whose play was consistent in the Texas game, and you know, he's he is he has superseded my expectations. So, but I, I think I know what you're going to say because I saw the article about Leaky Black. Yeah, Leaky Black to me is is somebody to keep an eye on. I'm not saying that you know obviously he's not going to be the greatest as as a freshman right now in his role. He's not going to be the star player, but he's somebody who I think down the line is going to be a very very good player at Carolina. He's Mr. Versatile. He basically took over Theo Pinson's role and in, in that he can do a lot of different things well. And he's six seven playing point guard in some situations, which. You know, I can't think of of Carolina ever having a guy of that size with with the the ability that the abilities that he has with the ball. Mm-hmm. So I, I think Leakey is definitely somebody who uh, is going to make his contributions this year. But on down the line, man, I, I, I can see him being a star. I can kind of see nice. him being that guy that Carolina relies on. Um, I did want to bring up one other thing, keeping on Tobacco Road with with Danny Manning at Wake Forest. They're mm-hmm. kind of off to a slow start. They lost mm-hmm. to Houston Baptist, uh, and people are calling for his job. So that's that's going to be something to keep an eye on. I think it would be a mistake, though, to get rid of Danny Manning after yeah. this year. He's got a young team. Mm-hmm. He's trying to build at Wake. Mm-hmm. Um, he may have made some missteps here and there mm-hmm. in terms of taking chances on different recruits. But I think if they leave him alone, he'll get it together. Yes, I heard that. All right. Well, we've got it together once again, CL. Another great show. So congratulations on that. And we'll be back next week. Lots of sports going on. Lots of talk about always here folks we are thankful for you being with us uh my name is chris brown i'm cl brown and this is sibling Sibling rivalry Rivalry sports Sports. on 97.9 the hill